What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go, Giants. Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week, we are 100% British, but absolutely still 100% Giants. Shane and Kev are having an extended break, so it's Dan and producer Craig back with you to congratulate Coach Dayball for being named AP Coach of the Year at the NFL Honours last week. And also congratulate the Kansas City Chiefs for beating Philly on Sunday in Super Bowl 57, wiping that smug grin off Nick Sirianni's face. Uh, we're also going to run through all of Big Blue's pending free agents as we're only a month away from free agency opening on the 15th of March. Craig, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good. It's been nice to have a, a little break, but, you know, the off-season doesn't stop us. We've got a jam-packed schedule for the next God knows how long, um, and it's good to kind of get back into the swing of things, I think. It absolutely is. Obviously, we've had a nice little week off for the Super Bowl and... Uh, yeah, it was nice to see them, uh, well, by them, I mean, Philadelphia lose. And uh, just, to, just to see the the smiles wiped off the faces, like I said, was, uh, was a beautiful picture. Um, and yeah, get back into it and get into the swing of the off-season because there's a lot coming up. So we've got all that to look forward to and to cover right here on the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Um, now, as Philly lost their third or four Super Bowls, and with it just being the two of us, we thought, what better time to bring back to this podcast a friend who joined all of us in laughing at the Eagles on Sunday night uh, making his long overdue return it's Keith from the New York Giants fans UK welcome back mate how's it been uh, it's been brilliant yeah great to be here and of course one of the best things to realize is this is just the third time uh this summer that Philly have choked at the final hurdle not just the Super Bowl but of course they got to the World Series and lost and they got to the MLS Cup final and lost. So that's a that's a triple whammy of complete humiliation that all true Giants fans should be celebrating. Absolutely, because uh, nobody likes Philadelphia sports. And now if the Flyers decide to get to the Stanley Cup final and lose that as well, it would just make it the full set now, wouldn't it? So That would be brilliant, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, are the Sixers good in basketball at the moment? I think the Sixers are quite good in basketball at the moment, aren't they? So have they got if they got to the uh, NBA finals and lost that uh, even better. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh it was nice to see them. I say it was nice to see them lose, wasn't it really? But it was a great game on Sunday, I thought. I thought um, you know, it was the first half wasn't brilliant from our, our perspective, with uh the Eagles taking a ten point lead into halftime. Um, but then they went and became only the second team ever to uh lose the Super Bowl after taking a 10-point well, double-digit lead into halftime uh, behind the infamous 2016 Eagles. So uh, that was quite a nice ending with Harrison Butker kicking the winning field goal with eight seconds remaining. What did you make of the Super Bowl, guys? Well, I thought it was very impressive. The um, Our carefully placed sleeper cell of inside agents in Bradbury and Tony basically ensuring that the Eagles lost. So I think that was a masterstroke by Joe Shane and... Uh, Mr. Mara, to ensure that we had sleeper agents carefully embedded in both teams to ensure 
that the right result happened. Uh, but in all seriousness, I mean, it was a great game. It was up one end, down the other, up one end, down the other. Great advert, I thought, for the game in general. And, you know, bluntly, not to put too fine a point on it, they were the best two teams in the league this season. And they looked like it. Yeah, I mean, you know, both of the quarterbacks have been hailed um, as two of the best from this season. Both MVP candidates, obviously Patrick Mahomes won um, above Jalen Hurts. But I think both the quarterbacks shone for different reasons. Um, Jalen Hurts had a phenomenal game. Um, I'm not, I can't remember what his record, the record was that he broke um, to do with rushing touchdowns and passing yards. I think it was something to do with the 300 passing yards, two rushing touchdowns the only quarterback in Super Bowl history to be able to do that. Yeah, well, he had he had, he had three on the ground, didn't he, in total? Potentially, I I can't, can't remember the, the individuals. I mean, it, it was a phenomenal game from him. And then I think if you look at his his game, his game was 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 very solid. Um, it could have been even better if uh, some of his wide receivers caught passes as well. Um, Key, uh, Kay Walker's was, was a bit of a standout, but... If you look at Patrick Mahomes, it was slightly different, you know, the the overcoming adversity. And I thought he was done before the half. The, the way that he was limping and, and the way that he looked on the sideline, I thought he was done. But somehow, you know, that extended break during the um, boring halftime show um, kind of gave him enough time to, I don't know, stem sell it up or whatever they did in the Kansas City Chiefs uh, locker room. And he, he came out and was almost perfect in the second half. I don't think he put a foot wrong. No, they. I think they scored on every single drive in the second half. And how he managed to come out in the second half, not limping or anything, I, whatever they did in that locker room in that half, well, 29 minutes as it was, they worked an absolute miracle on him. I think he got, he got hit in the, I think it was in the fourth quarter and it looked a bit ropey again. But I mean... Any normal person wouldn't be able to put any weight on that ankle, let alone run around a football field and lead your team to winning the Super Bowl. But hats off to him, really. I mean, yeah, he played an incredible game. Jalen Hurts played an incredible game. Um, and I think it was, like you said, Keith, it was a fantastic advert for the sport. I mean, always 73 points in total. And both teams scoring points in all quarters as well. Um, it's fantastic game. And yeah, it was just nice to see the Eagles on the losing side. But um, it's the first time since um, Kurt Warner um, for the just named MVP to uh, to win in uh, in the Super Bowl. And the four, the three previous times, the Super Bowl winner and uh, the MVP winner and the MVP runner up um, have gone against each other in the Super Bowl. Uh, three times before that, the runner-up in the MVP has gone on to win the Super Bowl. So this is the first time ever that the uh, winner of the Super- winner of the MVP has beaten the runner-up of the MVP in the Super Bowl of the same year, which is quite an interesting start. I thought it's uh, a little thing I saw on uh, Sunday night when we were watching the game. Thought, well, this just written in the stars for Jalen Hurts to win, that isn't it? And lo and behold, it didn't happen. Shame that, eh? Um, great end to a fantastic season. Um, and like you said, the, the two best teams in the league fought out the uh, one of the best games of the season. And yeah, just a, a great end overall. And I think the, the the right team won on the night because I think 
the Chiefs were very, just slightly the better team. I would agree. Yeah, it's been funny looking at Patrick Mahomes walking around with his extra, you know, with his with his WWE title around his waist, looking like a champion because he played like a champion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he got to go to Disneyland and have his little parade as well. And um, I think I think one thing as well that uh, was, I mean, I don't want to draw too much attention to the Eagles because we all have our feelings on them. But I think the brother versus brother dynamic really added something to the game as well. Just seeing uh, Kelsey's, uh, Mama Kelsey, as she was, uh, was it kind of gave it a different kind of, different feel and, and watching some of the videos from afterwards as well of Kelsey brothers meeting up and, and stuff like that. It was a, yeah, it was a, it, you know, a bit moving. Yeah. It was quite an interesting, um, dynamic. Sort of spin on, yeah. Dynamic. Just, <laughs> that's the word. It was, it just added that little bit extra sort of that storyline to, to the game. Um, and they're both absolutely incredible players. Uh, Jason being one of the best offensive linemen in the league and Travis Kelsey being the best tight end in the league. So, you know, it's it, they, they're, they're both at the peak of their game. I think Jason is uh, looking at potential, whether he's going to retire or not this off-season. Uh, but Travis is, I mean, he's only going to get better really, isn't he? And can you get any better? Because <laughs> at the moment he's just playing unbelievable football. I think his st- uh, there was a stat line from his play his all his postseason games. It's it was it, you'd pay a number one receiver that kind of money to get the his total stats that he's got in in playoff games. It was like fifteen hundred receiving yards, eleven touchdowns in I think it was like eight or nine games, and it's just unreal for him to be a tight end and him getting them sort of numbers. Just hats off to him because he's fantastic. It'd be nice to have someone like that on the giant squad, wouldn't it? Well, we'll have a bit of more money to spend now. We absolutely will. And uh, you know, it was a shame to to see Dan Bellinger go down injured with a nasty uh eye socket injury this past season. But, you know, we've got high hopes for him going into his year, second year in the in the team. And I think him getting injured was uh quite a big moment in the season because after he got injured, it's sort of we looked a bit hit or miss sometimes until you know, and he wasn't the same when he and when he came back either. So hopefully he can kick on and uh, and have a good year too. Anyway, um, but yeah, what a season twenty twenty two was for Big Blue um, with year two of the Joe Shane projects due to feature all of the same coordinators now uh, for the second year in a row. Uh, we looked to build on a success starting off with free agency, which is just around the corner. Um, but with the season family in the books, uh, we wanted to get your thoughts on the past year, Keith. Um, so going into the season, what did you expect from it? And how much did the team exceed or fall short of those expectations? I, mean, I don't think the team fell short of anybody's expectations. Um, I think they exceeded anything we could have ever have hoped for. All I was looking for this season, because essentially what we had, we had like $12.50 in cap space. Yeah, we had we had nothing. So all you wanted to see was signs of forward progress, sign definite signs that this really was the right coaching staff, and you had the right GM picking the right players in the draft, and those players making a contribution. Um, 
we far surpassed any expectations. We all I was hoping for, I say, was a winning season, and we didn't just get a winning season. We got to the playoffs, and we won a playoff game. I think that was absolutely extraordinary. They they far exceeded what I thought they would they would ever do, and yeah, they 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 they've done incredible. Um, that moment when we were in London and we were all in the pub and Joe Shane walked past, you know, I'm. I'm sure a lot of Giants fans were grabbing his hand and just sort of thanking him for like, thank you for giving us our team back. I was one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely shook his hand. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with anything you said more. Um, there were, we didn't fall short of any expectations. Absolutely agree with that. Um, the fact that, you know, we knew going into the season it was going to, we were in a rebuild. We knew we were going to, it was, there, there'd be some tough times ahead, but hopefully the, the the signs were bright and the future was looking bright. None of us could have imagined how bright the season actually became. And like I said, so to get not just into the playoffs, but to win a playoff game and to play competitive football throughout the whole season um, was more than we could ever imagined. So yeah, the expectations going into the season weren't particularly high, but by God, did we exceed every single expectation that was in place um, at the start of the season? Absolutely. Um, and I mean, it says it all, really. That um, obviously, coach, like I said, Coach Stable won Coach of the Year um, in yeah. his rookie season. Has anyone achieved more with less? You know? um, I mean. Probably not. <laughs> no, exactly. That's what he's got it for. Because lots of people say, oh, well, other teams got more wins. Other teams went further in the playoffs. Yeah, but other teams weren't handed this absolute dumpster fire of a roster and no cap space and a team demoralised by Joe Judge, who talked like Bill Parcells, but 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 didn't coach like him, unfortunately. Um, I Stable's been uh, incredible and you can tell from everything the players have said about how the culture changed there and the fact that that he's their coach but also their friend, they all call him Dabes. You get the real feeling that there's been a real culture change within the building and I sometimes wonder, as, as I, like I'm, I'm a massive admirer of Tom Coughlin, but I do sometimes wonder whether that successful culture within the building, that everybody's been afraid to change the Tom Coughlin, Wellington Mara way of doing things. That everyone's been walking around going, well, we're, we're not doing that because that's not that's not the way Wellington Mara put it down. We're not doing that because that's the way that Tom Coughlin always had it. And it's like those great men are no longer with the team for one reason or another. And sometimes it takes a couple of young people to come in and start rattling a few cages and start slaughtering a few sacred cows and start making some changes, you know, because whatever we've been doing up until now hadn't worked. You just need to look at the difference in the terms of the personnel as well. If you look at the players and the you know the time period that these players have grown up in versus what people like Eli Manning and Lawrence Taylor and you know all the greats have grown up in it's a very different world and I think the hard-nosed Tom Coughlin, you know, if I say 12, I mean 10 to 12 kind of mentality doesn't resonate with players of today not when you you know you've got they didn't really have social media in the way that we have they didn't have 
the world be the way that it is now. And I think that the way that Dave's has come in and kind of relaxed the culture has actually brought together, um, brought, you know, brought a togetherness that the team, not just the team needed, but I think the entire culture change needed. The entire organisation, yeah. Yeah, the entire organisation needed that sort of breath of fresh air and he's been that breath of fresh air just from, from day one and when he rocked up in his truck outside the, the Quest Training Centre and just the strut, just the strut, just the look of confidence in the man. Um, and then just the just the absolute change in the team culture, the team ethic, um, the way he interacted with his players. Like you said, the fact they all call him Dave, so they don't necessarily call him coach. Um, you know traditionally obviously players will call the coach coach as a sign of respect but the fact that they all call him Dave's is like you know we want a bit more chilled but at the same time we still have that coach player boundary that's there and I will still give you an absolute rollicking when I need to and you know, it's worked and for whatever, you know for whatever reason it has worked it has worked and Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale have been a huge part of the um, first year of the Sh- of the Shane project, and I'm so so glad they're going to be um, in year two of the Joe Shane project as well. Because you know, I think losing either one of them would have been a big hit, and would have been a a, a lot mm. to get used to. Um, trying to find either a new OC or DC, um, you know, going into the second year with with Joe Shane at the helm. But I think now that they can really sort of start to build on the success of this season, just gone with the same coordinators in place. Yeah, there might be a few coaching changes here or there um, in the sort of, sort of, you know, assistant coaches or whatever. There might, there always generally is. There's always sort of a you know, revolving door when it comes to less senior coaches because they, there's so many coaching roles in the league that uh, an opportunity comes up as a, as a coordinator on a team and what you'd be wrong not to snap it up and jump at it. But, I'm just glad the uh, the three coordinators, including Thomas McGahey, are going to uh, stay the same and we can really build on the success of 2022. I also want to recognise, because I think it's important here, John Mara as well. If you think about what John Mara said at the end of last season or when, when Dave's was brought in, he was t- speaking about Daniel Jones, like, in the last few years, we've done everything we possibly could to screw this kid up. And... It takes a lot for someone like John Mara, who's who's got more money than you and I can ever even fantasize about, to actually go, you know what, I've I've messed this up. And to do that publicly. And then when Dave's comes in and we see those those movies that that, that film, that footage of him addressing the entire team, and there's John Mara sitting in the front row in jeans and a cardigan, listening as well. Not stood there beside him in a suit but actually sat there in the audience going, I want to hear what this guy has to say. You know, I think we should recognise that John Mara has made bad decisions, but for the best reasons, because he cares about the team. There are so many bad owners in sport that, that I mean, look, you know that with the Glazers. Glazers. Across the enti- <laughs> yeah, you know, that, you know that for the entirety across the whole of sport in, in, in Europe and in the US. There are so many bad owners. John Mara has made some bad decisions. But he's also, in this instance, he's the one who's brought in Dable and Shane. And he's the one who's been open enough and vulnerable enough to say, I've messed this up and I want your help to fix it. Not every owner would do that. Some would just double down and carry on making bad decisions. 
yeah, I mean, I, I hats off to him because, like you said, it takes a lot for him to admit that he's made some mistakes and he's he's not exactly set Daniel Jones up with the best start to a career that he could have done. I mean, you just you just have to look back to you know the coaches we've had in the past. You know, Bill Parcells, Dan Reeves, Jim Fassel, Tom Coughlin, big big names in the league, big well respected head coaches. Um, I mean, in Bill Parcells, one of the biggest names in league history in, in terms of coaching. Um, and then Tom Coughlin, obviously, leading us to two Super Bowl wins. Jim Fassel, um, again, winning coach of the year. Was it 1997 winning coach of the year? So these guys have had have got all these accolades. And then for him to then lose Tom Coughlin, the best coach we've had in you know this century, to then replace him with Ben McAdoo, who else was available at the time? To then go to Pat Shermer, who else was available at the time? So then go to Joe Judge, who else was available at the time? He's made some, he's made some mistakes in the last three head coaches we've we've hired, but now he's you know tail tail between the legs. He's owned up and he said, "All right, I've made some mistakes, but I'm going to put it right." And he, so far he has put it right. So yeah, I, I I agree with that, Keith. Hats off to him. It takes a set of grapefruits to do that publicly. If you if you're a successful man, yeah, yeah, especially when you're part of the Mara dynasty, and you know they don't put a foot they don't usually put a foot wrong and they don't usually open up and say they made a mistake you know they'll they'll pass the buck that's that's how the maras do it but no for him to hold his hands up and say no nope, i've messed up my bad i'm going to sort it out is a is a sign of a a good owner let's anyway um all right then so who was so who was your most valuable giant and by most valuable giant i mean who do you think uh, was the player that if we didn't have them on the team, uh, we would have been in a lot worse position without them. If I think about the player that made the most impact plays throughout the entire season, I'm going to say it's Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why Daniel Jones? I, I, think, I, I think we started the season and everybody was going, well, maybe he's the guy, maybe he isn't the guy. And all all the conversations, even amongst Giants fans, were, can we win with Daniel Jones on the team? You know, can we win with Daniel Jones? Halfway through the season, that was becoming, we are winning because of Daniel Jones. And because this is a quarterback-driven league, that's the reason why I'm going with him. I know Saquon had a bounce-back season, but in the end, he's a running back. He's a great running back, but it's still not the most important position on the field. We've had guys on defense, cave on Thibodeau, you know, guys in the backfield step up at important moments and make game-winning plays. But we're not in the position to have last-minute game-winning plays if Daniel Jones has not already kept us in the game. So that's the guy for me. Oh, fair enough. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, the the number of games we would have won without him would have been a lot less. I think, yeah, you know, depending on, yeah. you know, there could have been so many different, you know, quarterbacks we could have had back there. But the fact that he was there and he made those plays when he needed to, not necessarily, not all the time, he did, you know, he's only human, he made mistakes. But yeah, he had a, he had his breakout season as a quarterback, I think. And a huge part of that was the coaches that were behind him that actually had the belief in him to say, you can do it. You can be a, a, a top level quarterback in this league we believe in you there you go go and prove it and he did 
we had a better line as well. So, you know, suddenly we had a better O-line, not a great one, but better than we'd had before. So suddenly he had time. And of course, let's not forget the plays he made with his feet. The fact that he was so dangerous that you couldn't just crowd the line because it was like, okay, you, you Daniel Jones is going to take off, you know? Yeah. I mean, we saw, we saw the true Daniel Jones this year. I mean, he's been stif- you know, stifled and held back the last four years. Um, and he was rightly not given his fifth year option this year, I think. And but he's he's definitely gone out and proven why we should pay him going into twenty twenty three. And I think we will pay him going into twenty twenty three. We might end up overpaying him to what you know it would have been if we hadn't have got a, a got got into the playoffs. But so be it. I think he deserves a new contract. He deserves paying. Give him the money. That's all I say. Pay the man. Um, so your offensive player of the year, then I'm I'm gonna say was Daniel Jones, right? Yeah. Yeah. What about on the defensive side of things? Who was your defensive player of the year? I mean that's easy, that's number five for me. Ooh. Um not, not, not yeah, I, I, No, it's I, I know he I know he's had I know he's had an impact, but for me it was Cave on Thibodeau because I think what he's managed to achieve just very, very early in his career is like this is a rookie. Think about all the years past when we've been drafting players and not only do they not make it onto the onto the field in the first year and make an impact, some of them don't ever really make any kind of impact anywhere and are out of the league in three years after we've drafted them. To draft Kayvon Thibodeau, bring him straight into the league and once he gets over his injury, the fact that he is making fantastic game-saving, game-winning plays throughout the season, to me it's Kayvon Thibodeau. I know Sexy Dexy, we all love Sexy Dexy, but we already knew he was great. Here, we had Kayvon Thibodeau come in as a rookie with a lot of attention on him and a lot of focus on him, dragging an injury behind him, and he was also great. I think having Thibodeau on the edge allowed um, Lawrence to become the player we all know he could be because he drew that because att- Thibodeau drew that attention from um, the opposing team's offence, it allowed that, you know Lawrence to have some more plays where he was one-on-one and he wasn't being double-teamed and don't, you know, in the centre of that line. I think he had a big influence. I absolutely agree he had a big influence. My, my defence player of the year was Dexter Lawrence because he was just an absolute bulldozer. But yeah, Thibodeau wasn't far behind. Yeah, I, I, I would I, again. They both had a fantastic season. You know, I, I, I think you just get you can get a cigarette paper between them. They, you're exactly right. That's that's the key of a great defense. When the Giants have had a great defense, it's always been about multiple threats. You know, if if okay, you try Mark O.C. Tuck's going to get you. You Mark Tuck, then JPP's going to get you. You know, it's the same as it's same as in the eighties. You know, you try Mark L.T. We'll find Carl Banks is going to get you. You know, yeah. you mark you mark Rosie Gray and we'll find Andy Robustelli's going to get you. It's been the same throughout history. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, like I said, look back at the sort of the previous teams we've had, and I mean, we've had three fantastic um, defensive linemen or edge rushers or whatever it is. It's like you're going to mark two of them. We'll throw this person at you, and yeah, I think without Thibodeau, I think Lawrence wouldn't have had as good a season. But without Lawrence, I don't think Thibodeau would have had as good a season as well. I think they sort of interchange. Um, yep. All right, then. So if you could change one thing about the season, what would it be and why? 
I think you've already mentioned it, Daniel Bellinger getting injured. I think that was crucial for us because, again, we, we, we had no cap space whatsoever. Um, so we have no capacity to, to, to bring in high-level talent when somebody goes down. Daniel Bellinger goes down. We've basically lost our tight end threat completely. So to me, I think we would probably would have won a couple more games if Daniel Bellinger had been on the field. Um, you know, we could have been in an even better position. So to me, that's the one thing I would I would change. The one thing that comes to mind for me is it just just the wrong player to go down injured at just the wrong moment. Yeah, no, it was, it was a huge loss when we lost him for those few weeks. Um, and, you know, it looked, it looked like a horrendous injury and it didn't, you know, I'm surprised he came back when he did. I'm surprised it wasn't potentially a, a season-ending injury because it could have been. Um, but I think for me, the one thing I'd change about the season um, is Kenny Galladay actually being productive and actually earning his money. <laughs> You know, just yeah, just that, that, just to that get a bit more production out of him. No, if I could have weighed my magic wand and and said something, gone yes, there we go. Kenny Galladay would have had a better season than he did. But at the same time, I'm glad he didn't because then we all know he's going to get cut and it's going to save us a hell of a lot of money moving forward. Yeah, that Daniel Bellinger getting through the season, not being injured, is feasible. It, yeah. Kenny Galladay having a good season was not feasible. But you had to keep him because we're going to pay him. It's like we, we might as well have him there, if only for a distraction. Yeah. Um, we might because we're going to have to pay him anyway. We might as well keep him. Yeah, very true. Um, no, there, I mean there was a, a, a few stupid little things like um, Dory Jackson returning punts and getting injured. That was should never have that, happened. That probably would have been mine. I think. Yeah. You know, if we could change one thing, um, we signed. Well, we had Khalil Pimpleton, didn't we, on, on yep. the practice squad. Um, but also Purpose-built punt returner right there. Yeah. Or, but the other thing is, is that Gary Brightwell, our mate Gary, did really well on kick returns. Um, I would have been interested to see how he would have taken punt returns. But, yeah, having having our number one cornerback, especially when, you know, number two is, well, number two on the depth chart technically is Aaron Robinson, who just hasn't seen the, the, the field in a long time. So... You know, it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. No, and it's so, so frustrating. And you could see it when it when it happened. You could just see it happening, couldn't you? It's just like, oh, Dory Jackson on the field returning punch. You know he's going to get injured. And lo and behold, he got injured. And it was typical. And it was just one of those, it was one of those things that you could, you know, as soon as it happens, you know the coaches regretted it and you know if they could have turned back time and they they would have changed their minds. But hindsight's a wonderful thing, you know. I'd much rather Brian Dable learns that now than than like in a championship game in two years' time. Oh, champ- championship game in two years' time, eh? You know, I, it, yeah. it, I'd much rather he, since he's learning on the job that he screws up like this in a season that's, that was a throwaway season. Yeah. Uh, definitely, and and the thing is, like you and your rookie season ahead, coach, you're bound to make mistakes, and he's made what made not many this season really, and I say this season, last season, it is now. Um, he didn't make many, and so you know we can all forgive him in the mistakes that he did make. All right, then. So London memories. What was your talk to us about London? Because I mean, it seems like it was oh. a lifetime ago already, but what a weekend, huh? 
uh, what an incredible weekend. I mean, it's the, the fact that it's the Giants playing and it's like my partner's a massive Packers fan, being from South Africa, she just adopted the Springboks colours. So for her to be able to see the Packers play live as well, um, that was incredible. And even though didn't win the game, it's still a fantastic experience. Um, so it was special for her, but it was special for all of us. You think about the the fact that we got to go to the pub and be there while they recorded the Eli Manning show. And just like we met Eli Manning, you yeah. know? Um, I mean, what the hell? Um, and the fact that, yeah, the fact that, that, that we're mingling with OC and Cruz and Carl Banks, and it's like they're not even the most impressive people in the room, is incredible. Um, so that was an amazing experience. And then I topped that off with, with um, the game, which, again, was incredible. And like, I've never felt closer to a team than, than with their making that final stand and there's Sheps hopping up on an equipment cabinet, he ha- and he is staring directly at us. The, 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 the seats that we had, um, now we had different seats to you. Obviously, the, you had great seats because you were looking down on it. We were more side on, but it, it, they were literally like two rows back, and he is staring right into our faces, waving his rally towel. And it's like I've never felt more part of the team. It was like, I felt like I was on the field. That we 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 were we were joining in and we were turning what was supposed to be a Packers home game and it felt d- during those final moments like it was Giant Stadium. That was an incredible experience as well, just just unbelievable. And you top all that off with with the um, you know the Wapping event. Well, you know we invited Giants fans to come all the way across Wapping, all the way across London to Wapping, while there's a train strike and what is it like two hundred people turned up. And drank the pub dry. Two hundred UK giants turned up and drank the place dry. I mean, that is an incredible achievement. Mostly of that, mostly all that was done by Andy, who obviously isn't here tonight. But Andy's been so important. If we think about us together, you, me, Kev, Bragg, everyone, all of us together, everything that we started when when we started our UK giants group, it's like none of it happens without Andy. He's really been the sort of entertainment's director and the, and the social side of all this. That's his unofficial job title, isn't it? That's his unofficial title. Well, I might even make it his official title. I know. I mean, I'm in charge. I'll just make it his official title. Um, he's the entertainment's <laughs> he's director. Choice. He's got um, no choice. Do it. Yeah, he's got no choice. That's what he is. Yeah. Um, and but what a fantastic job he did. I mean, there, there's 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 people like us that that we've become friends. That, that we didn't even know each other. And as people have got to Giant Stadium and it would never have happened. And then, of course, topping it off with this whopping event where, you know, we'd literally drank a pub dry. Like there was nothing left in their barrels. Um, that, that the game, uh, going to the pub and meeting Eli Manning, that was just, uh, it's a once in a lifetime weekend. It really is. Yeah, it was just, I mean, even thinking about it now, sort of it, Makes the hair stand up on the back of your hands and back of your neck, and I mean, just the overriding, just the overriding feeling of utter joy across the whole weekend. I mean, I would not have changed a single thing about it. I really wouldn't have done. I think even even if we'd have lost the game, yeah, it would have sucked, but it would still still would have been an amazing weekend. The fact that we won the game when we were, you know, when we were the underdog. You know, when we were surrounded mm. by f- probably forty five, fifty thousand Green Bay Packers fans in Tottenham Stadium. I mean that really did feel like an away game, didn't it? 
I mean, you've got oh, to say the Packers 100%. fans, probably because they've waited so long, the Packers fans really did make that feel like Lambeau Field. But I think it's incredible. That, was it? It's like we're nearly 30 games in, and this was the first game ever between two winning teams, two teams with a winning record. Yeah, that was unbelievable you know? in itself. That's unbelievable in itself, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I was expecting us to lose. I'm like, we're coming in with a winning record, but this Packers team has got Aaron Rodgers. Essentially, it's a home game. Um, you know, the football gods will probably conspire to cheat us of this. Of the, You know, the, the Packers will probably get a win here. I was expecting, it's like, I don't really care. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be an incredible experience. But, yeah, the Giants remain unbeaten in London. London's, yeah. the, London's real team, yeah? Jack, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Piffle, London's real team, the New York football giants. I think we're we're probably one of the very few undefeated teams in London. I mean, that have been here more than once, that is. Yeah, yeah. If you've only been here once, you don't get to claim that. You have to come here more no. than once to do that. Yeah, exactly. I think we're we're probably in not we haven't got much company in that in that aspect. That might be interesting to look into that. But, I mean, probably um, the Patriots, I'd have thought. Yeah, true. So I think they've been they've been two or three times. I think they they and I can't remember them losing. Before Brady left, they didn't win. They didn't lose at all. Period. Did they? No, but it's even still, it's quite a esteemed company to be in. Yeah, Tom Brady led New England Patriots. I suppose <laughs> you know can't yeah. really complain at that. You yeah, can't just, complain at that. Just, just the entire weekend from start to finish. I mean, we've spoken about it multiple times before on this podcast, and it, it was like you said, what dreams are made of that that weekend it really was and to be a part of everything that happened um you know because of this podcast because of the giants uk fan group it just is an absolute blessing um and an absolute privilege to be a part of everything um and there's not really much more i can say apart from absolute joy was that weekend it was just amazing so was that your season highlight then keith or was uh did you have any other highlights from the season I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how it can not be the season highlight. To be honest, I mean, yeah, it's great to win a playoff game, but to actually see the Giants play live, win against the Packers in London, meet Eli Manning, um, and to actually feel like you were part of the victory at the end—that you weren't a passive spectator, that actually you were helping to shout down the Packers. Um, yeah, season highlight. You know, it's it's. Uh, yeah, so it's a bucket list moment. Life you know? highlight. It's a life highlight, mate. That's what that life is. Life highlight. Fantastic. Alrighty. Um, cool. So yeah, like I said, what a season 2022 was. Um, but moving into 23, uh, we've got some key players who are pending unrestricted free agents. Uh, and we're gonna run through them and get your thoughts on them as well, Keith, as well. Yeah, whether you'd re whether you'd re-sign them or release them. Uh so starting off with the obvious, Daniel Jones. Um, had a pretty solid 2022, like we said. Um, they've already the team have already admitted they intend to keep him for 23 and beyond. The only question is how long and how much is it going to cost? Well, I mean that is that is the question, isn't it? It's it's do, do there's no other way of getting any other quarterback for less money. Okay, so we're not we're not going to be able to draft a replacement that's going to be better. Um, we don't have the unless you want to spend stupid amounts of money on a veteran. There's no real way of getting anybody better. The only real question is: Do you sign him to a long term deal, or you, do you just franchise tag him and see if he's see if he really is like he hasn't just had a one season wonder? You know, do you franchise tag him and see can you do this again next year? That's the only real question. You know, yeah, yes, you keep him. Definitely, you keep him. 
Yeah, Craig, what do you think? Keep him, sign him, pay him. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? And like we've said, um, the Giants and Joe Shane kind of already played their hand here by saying that they anticipate him coming back. And I think he wants to come back. I think if you look at it from a grand scheme thing, a kind of thing, Kafka coming back is huge because I think that that's another kind of string to the to the bow of the Giants in persuading him to come back um, and maybe persuading him maybe not to price himself out because he's never had an offensive coordinator for more than a season. So to be able to come back and have that familiarity across the board with every um, a coordinator is going to be something that probably appeals to him because if he does go elsewhere... He's back at square one again, another new offensive coordinator, a new head coach, the whole lot. So, you know, familiarity kind of um, rains down. I, I've got to say, it, do, it wouldn't surprise me if we see five-year deal, but I think there'll be an out. I think whatever contract happens, whether it be three, four, five years, there'll be an out somewhere in there. Now, that verbiage is obviously going to come down from between our negotiators and his agent, but I'm more than happy to see him back in blue next season. Yeah, so am I. I think just pay the man. Don't don't go ridiculous and pay him, uh, you know, way more than he deserves. Um, But I think around sort of 35 a year is a a decent number. I think he he deserves that. And I think, you know, had we not got into the postseason this year, it probably would have been a bit less. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's uh, he's led us to a, a playoff berth and he's led us to a playoff win. I mean, he's proven he can do it. Granted, obviously, we lost to the Eagles, but the Eagles are the better team. So there's, there's no reason why he can't do it. And I believe that he can do it moving forwards into next year as well. So pay the man. You know, I, I think, you know, franchise tag is probably there for someone else um, that we're going to talk about any second now, right? Yeah, right, Greg. That is correct. I mean, just quickly before we move on, um, Kev and Shane sent in their uh, the, their thoughts on, on these as oh, well. Yes, we, did. We, we, did, um, we did ask them um, about all the players that we're going to be talking about over the next sort of, you know, few minutes, but... Um, Kev was quite happy. They, they both said to re-sign Daniel Jones. Kev uh, said four years, 140 mil. Uh, Shane said, you know, max 37 a year. So I think we're all kind of thinking around the same ballpark figure. But as you said, franchise tag is also available. But the more likely for the franchise tag is going to be Saquon Barkley. I mean, Barkley did have his best season since his rookie year, didn't miss a single game this season. Um, you know, Shane is is keen to retain Barkley, but isn't going to break the bank to do so. Uh, and I do believe that you know Christian McCaffrey money is going to be sort of more the uh, the aim around here. Um, you know, in the attempts, yards, yards off the contact, um, he was all top five. He was eighth in touchdowns. Uh, he only had one fumble in the season, so he had a solid season. So, um, Keith, what do you think, Saquon? Well, I mean, obviously he had a bounce-back season. 
Um, he was obviously wants to stay with the team. He said all the right things. He's plainly a good locker room presence, a good captain. Um, none of which affects me in the slightest. I think we should dump him. Interesting. Is, is that is that purely the running back thing? Yes. I, I don't believe in tying up large amounts of money in a running back. I think um, th- th- we have so many holes all over the team. That money will be better used on other players, on other positions. I would do running back by committee. Just pick up a couple of running backs in the second, third round, you know, pick up another one in free agency and just rotate through them. Now, having said that, if no other team wants to pay for him, then fair enough, bring him back. But we mustn't get involved in some kind of bidding war. He's a great running back, but he's still just a running back. So I would I would not bring him back unless it's for a pretty economical amount of money. I just think, um, you know, you are what your record says you are. He is injured a lot and he's only getting older. Um, I honestly would just... Let him walk with our thanks. You know, who knows one day he'll go back in the ring of honour. Hooray, good for him. Um, but I would just go get, uh, you know, get some running backs in the second or third round, get a veteran in, just do running back by committee. Because three average running backs are going to be better than one Saquon Barkley. I think the one of the, one of the only things that's going to potentially keep him around is the fact that we know he can produce numbers. He's... A threat in the, <clears throat> he's a threat in the passing game because he he draws coverage off of the off of the other receivers. And God, you know, we need help at receiver. I know that. Um, but he's he also has a presence in in the backfield, and he did look this season back to almost his best. There were times where he looked back to his best. There were times where he did, but he, where he didn't look great. He sort of had a bit of a lull during the middle of the season where he was carrying, he obviously was carrying a couple of niggly injuries or whatever. Um, But I think for us to bring him back, it's got to be the right money. I don't want to pay him 16 million a year like Christian McCaffrey because that's too much. At the same time, I think if we don't, if that's the sort of money he's wanting, we either walk away or we put the tag on him. But then is he going to want to play under the franchise tag or is he still going to look elsewhere? I Who think knows? I think he plays under the tag. Uh, if you look at the franchise tag, the number for running backs this year is um, just literally just over 10 million. Um, looking at the contracts for other running backs around the 10 million mark, um, there's actually quite a disparity between Saquon, who was paid 7.8 million this year, and the next highest paid running back, which is Jay Mixon at 12. So I think a 10 million franchise tag probably isn't the worst idea. Um, but, you know, there's a huge disparity between the running backs that really do make a difference to their team and how much money they get paid. I mean, the only one that I can see who gets paid around the 7 million and under that really is is kind of comparable is Eckler, who's on six. Other than that, you know, starting at 12, Mixon, Jones, Chubb, Henry, Cook, Kamara, Elliot, McCaffrey. I think if he stays, he w- he'll, he, he will get paid. So for me, it's a franchise. The only thing I would say about this is that this front office proved last season that they can draft unheralded 
college prospects and turn them into starters. Look at someone like Daniel Bellinger. You know, they drafted, they can draft people that can make an immediate impact. I do not want to tie up 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 million in Saquon Barkley when you can get multiple players for that amount of money that could have an even bigger impact. It makes me sound like I'm down on Saquon Barkley, the man, and I'm really not. He's been a model professional and he's obviously a great locker room presence and a good captain. But we can't afford to be sentimental. This team is still in at the beginning of a wholesale revamp. And I don't believe in tying up that amount of money for a running back, no matter how good he is. I would much rather we spent less and get more running backs um, and do it by committee. I know it's it's cold. I know it's mechanical. I know it's boring. I know it's predictable. But I just think that's the model for success. It's interesting as well because I'm pretty sure it's a it's quite a deep running back class as well this year. Yeah, exactly. I think you know the the fact that he's had his injury issues and he's. Yeah, I just. I don't. I think. I think. If anything, we, we he plays under the tag. I, I can't see us paying him any more than, you know, twelve million, because it was interesting. Obviously, during the buy, that sort of number was floated, and they they were supposedly way apart, and they they, they were, he was wasn't happy with that. I, I think that's probably the most we pay him, because he's he's not going to he's not going to demand Christian McCaffrey money. Um, and just in- interesting on Austin Eckler, obviously, he said you said he's on what seven million a year, uh, six just over six. Six, I mean, he was obviously he was a undrafted free agent, wasn't he? I think so. That's probably why he's earning so little. Um, but even still, like you know, Austin Eckler is consistently producing every year, he's consistently one in the sort of top five in terms of numbers, he's very rarely injury prone. So, the, it's obviously that the, the talent is there, the talent ball is there. in yeah, even in the draft or as an undrafted free agent. I mean, we've got our mate Gary, who had a pretty steady season, so why not give him a chance, you know? But yeah, Barkley's an interesting one. I think that's gonna be there's gonna be more ups and downs with that over the next few weeks than there was with Jones anyway. Uh Kev uh said to re sign him and franchise tag him. Well, re sign him or franchise tag him. And Shane said the same as well, a maximum of thirteen million a year. Um, if we can't reach an agreement, then slap that tag on him. Uh, Darius Slayton then, um, he had a bounce back year, um, but butterfingers, he likes to uh, likes to drop the ball every now and again, doesn't he? Um, and will he be back? Will Darius Slayton be back? I don't know. I mean, the question is, should he be back? Uh, again, I feel like I'm playing bad cop here, but I would not bring him back, no. Um, he's he's a fine complimentary receiver for a team that's that hasn't got anyone else. Okay, but uh, he had a good twenty to see twenty twenty two. But dr- yeah, all right, he drops things. He's you know he's not Evan Ingram, but he drops things. Um, we're obviously going to bring back Isaiah Hodgins. We need to find another wide receiver, another number one wide wide receiver, probably in a draft because the free agency. Obviously, we're going to pay a lot of money, and you don't want another Kenny Galladay situation. So, I just. I don't think it makes sense to let Darius Slayton go and, and, and yeah, we, we're not going to need him bluntly. I think, yeah, yeah, he wasn't on a lot this this year um, and obviously he did take a cut to remain with the team uh, when it looked like he was 
pretty much done uh, at the beginning of the season. He did have, he probably had more explosive plays than anybody else. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm really on the fence with this one. I, I think if he comes back cheap for as a as a rotational piece, I could see some form of kind of of want there. But if he goes, he goes. Let me put it to you this way: Is is Darius Slayton the sort of player who's gonna? Is he? Can you ever see Darius Slayton catching a game-winning touchdown in a championship game? Because I can't. And if he's not that sort of player, he's got no point being on the team. Maybe. Maybe I could. Maybe, maybe. I could. Um, I, I for can't me, see it, I have to be honest. For me, I think there there's there's plenty of receivers around the league that are of the same quality as Darius Slayton. There's probably plenty of receivers coming through the draft that will potentially be the same quality, if not better, than Darius Slayton. Don't get me wrong, he's had he's been relatively okay. I say okay, he's been he's really been he's been he's been all right as a giant, but I don't think he is where we need him to be. I don't think he I've never rated him that highly, and I think he's just been he's been there because we haven't had the other talent around him. If we had better talent at receiver, the chances are he wouldn't have been there as long as he has been. So I think for me, Slayton. See you later, mate. There's uh, there's other options out there. There's better options out there, and you know, do we move forward with him in the team? Like you said, Keith. Do we? Does he catch a touchdown catch in in an NFC title game? Does he catch a touchdown catch in in a Super Bowl? <clears throat> Not really. You know, the fact no. he had two touchdown catches this season. You know, seven hundred twenty yards. 46 receptions. It's not what you need out of a number two receiver. You know, you want no. your number you want your you want your number two receiver getting close to a thousand yards and you know, six, seven, eight touchdown catches. You know, plagues you know, six drops on the season as well didn't help. And I think it's time to let him go. We're not judging the man here because he, he's no. he's been a he's 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 been a fantastic presence. And he's an eminently likable person, but yeah. you know, lo- lots of people are likable. You know, Philip Schofield is likable, but I don't want him as a backup wide receiver on the Giants. It's there comes a time we have to say, yeah, we can find somebody better. Exactly, and like you said, Isaiah Hodgins is a perfect example. Coming from coming from the, the Bills practice squad into the team on next to no money and producing what he did in the limited time he had. I mean, I'd put Hodgins above. Slayton any day because Hodgins produces and he clearly produced under the pressure. So there we go. Uh, Sterling Shepard. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about him, but obviously the uh, the news broke this afternoon that he's actually been cut from the team. Is that right, Craig? Yeah. So there was a clause inside the restructuring of his contract earlier on uh, last season, I guess now. Um, that basically said that three days after the Super Bowl, he would be automatically cut. Um, I believe we pick up some dead money out of this. I think it's around the four million pound mark, if I am remembering correctly. Four point three, so four point three million dead money uh, charged. So, uh, based on that alone, and uh, the fact that the dead money is already there, 
I think that almost puts the nail in the coffin, really, for Sterling. Um, I think if that wasn't if that wasn't there, that you know the verbiage that's come out today, I think you could probably maybe say pull him back on a one year vet min deal because no one else is really going to take him coming off of a torn ACL. But I think. I think he may be back in the building, but it, it could just be for rehab only. I can't see him having a place on the roster. I, I'd, I'd no, agree I entirely. It's that, an athlete's most important ability is availability, and you know he's just been plagued by injuries and not trivial injuries either. Concussions, ACL tears. He's he's been a fantastic cheerleader for the team. I'd I'd love to see him just like announce his retirement, and then maybe there's some kind of coaching internship. Because I feel that he loves this team and this team loves him. I'd love to be some kind of way that 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 you can get him on some kind of, well, let's teach the guy how to be a coach. You know, let's get him on the sideline. Let's get him learning. Let's get him pouring over books. Because um, I fear his playing career is probably over. But it's absolutely the right idea to cut him as a player. There's no other decision that you can make, really. Yeah, I think he'd be a great receivers coach one day. Um but, you know, good luck to him. I don't see him be, being back in in a blue jersey anytime soon, unless it's a one-day contract to retire. Um, you know, sad to see him leave. I, I think he's been an outstanding um, cheerleader for the team. Like you said, he's been that sort of presence throughout the last six years. Um, you know, longest-serving giant on the roster this year. You know, it's a shame to see him go, but... I think it was inevitable, really. It was only, only the only real option um, with his injury history, like you said. Um, Julian Love, I think, which re-signed the man. Yep. He's earned a new contract. He's, he's done more than enough to, to earn a new contract. Um, had a pretty solid year. Um, one of the most giant, one of the most important defenders from this past season. Um, he's named as a captain in his full, first season as a full-time starter. And he led the team in tackles. I mean, what more can you ask? Re- re-sign him, pay the man. Yeah, good locker room guy. Yeah, it's an easy, it's an easy re-sign for me. Um, obviously, Kev, both Kevin Shane said re-sign as well. So you know, I think we're we're a unanimous decision there. Yeah, I think sort of six to eight million a year would be a nice number. Um, you know, decent decent money for a decent player. I think he's deserved it, and I think he's a uh, safety number one moving forward. Um, Nick Gates, the real winner of Comeback Player of the Year, Nick Gates. I mean, I know Gino Smith won it, but he didn't come back from anything because he's never played at an elite level. So, there we go. <laughs> you know, Nick Gates um, should have been the winner because he came back from an injury just like uh, Alex Smith did a few years back. Um, so, you know, he came back, played in 10 games, uh, mainly used in rotational sets. Um, he, he, he still has something to offer on that line. I think he's still he's still just a solid piece on that offensive line that we need. That consistency that we need. Um, I think re-sign the man. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm on board. We've got enough uncertainty at guard and centre. Yeah, bring him back. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 not at all. I mean, it's a he can play centre. If necessary, we we're going to come on to another centre in a minute, but he can play centre. Um, but he also has the ability to play guard. Obviously, he had some rotational sets with uh, Bruderson, um, and we ha- we have a Zudu as well. I I just think that 
what he actually offered, despite coming back from the injury he came back for, just makes sense to you know re-sign him. He's not going to cost a lot either. Let's be honest. No, I think his his strongest position is centre because that's where he's historically played, and I think he before his injury, that's where obviously he was playing. I think play him play him as centre. He's got so much experience there. Um, get him in the middle, snapping the ball, and you know Dan Jones can rely on him. I feel I think he can rely on him more than he can rely on the next player we're going to talk about. Yep. So um, Kev and Shane were unanimous with us as well to re-sign Nick Gates. Uh, Feliciano, um, split opinion, I think, this one. Um, I'll give Kevin Shane's first straight away with these. So um, Kev said to release Feliciano. Shane is on the re-sign at vet minimum. Um he is liked by the coaching staff, which makes me think he will resign. Uh, obviously, he came from the Bills. He's got good kind of rapport with Daves. I think he comes back. I do think he comes back for vet minimum again. I don't think he's earned anything more, and that's what we paid him last time. So, uh, unless it's you know around that kind of money, at, at his age as well, I can't see him getting more than a year. But you know, we might as well keep the band together. It it was an improvement, if anything. Yeah, the the line did play better. Um, I think Feliciano was a a good piece coming into this. The uncertainty and the instability instability of the offensive line at the beginning of the season, um, and he didn't play badly. Um, I didn't think. I think you know, but it was average. Yeah, I'm I'm undecided on Feliciano. I can't make my mind up whether I'd re-sign him or, or release him. I'm not undecided. Is it a release for you, is it, Keith? Yeah, he's another one on the minibus out of town. Um, <laughs> he's a, 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 a successful quarterbacks have long-term relationships with their centres. Okay, this guy's 31. He's not the long-term answer. All right, if we want backup at centre, fine. Go find a younger one or draft somebody. But keeping this guy around um, just because he knows the coaching staff. Well, lots of people know the coaching staff. The equipment guys know the coaching staff, but you don't keep him around to play centre. Let the guy go. Um, we can find a backup centre that's a lot younger. We need someone who's going to be with Daniel Jones for the next three, four, five years to form a proper relationship with. Nick Gates. Yeah. And some young guys to understudy, just in case. Yeah. I uh, I'm I am more leaning towards release him than re-sign him. I think I think if we do re-sign him, uh, like you said, it's got to be on the, the very very minimum contract which he was on this year. Um, I don't know which way it will go with him. Um, all right, Casey Kreiter, re-sign him. What's the point in yep. rocking the boat when special teams? Yeah, so no. player. Um, Jamie Gillen, a punter. <laughs> this is a tough one because I see it's the not. I see the advantage in in keeping him because there's punters there are we've dealt with Riley Dixon, we've dealt with Brad Wing, we've dealt with all of these different uh, there you go, Andy. There's your shout out for Brad Wing, by the way. Brad Wing, who yeah. now plays in the uh, USFL <laughs> in the uh, XFL for the uh San yeah, something, some something Brahmas. Um, but yeah, I, I, 
I'm happy to re-sign him on a, a vet min. Um, I don't know what the draft looks like, but I think there needs to be a competition at least. Uh, and I, th- I, I think you always go with two punters normally to begin camp anyway. So you might as well have him as one of them. I am sliding open the side door on my minibus out of town and I am punting in right inside. It's, <laughs> he was 19th in the NFL last season in yards per punt. Okay, 19th. So that's not good enough. Um, no, you can find somebody better. It's pretty much average, like middle of the field, isn't it? Yeah, and you don't win. You win. You don't build winning teams out of average players. You know, you, you don't build winning teams by going. Yeah, it's good enough. That's not how you build a winning team. You go get someone who's better. Yeah, I think let him go, or at least bring him back for that competition. You got. You got to be cruel to be kind, Dan. You have got to be cruel yeah. to be kind. So Kev, Kevin Shane both said to resign uh, Gillen as well, but uh, Shane said. Vetmin due to replace him via the draft. Uh, as we well know, Shane is a vested draft uh, connoisseur. Thing is, thing, is, thing is with punters, right? You don't want to talk about a punter because more often than not, you talk about a punter when they're playing badly, right? The only time you ever talk about a punter when they're playing well is if they're like the best punter in the league, like we've had previously in like Steve Weatherford and Jeff Eagles, you know, when they were by far and above one of the better punters in the league. All you need in a punter really is someone that can boot the ball inside the 20 and, you know, hopefully it, it gets down there and they, they have a long field. I say all you need. It sounds like a really easy job. It's probably not, but I think Gillen, meh, he's just a bit, he's a bit hit and miss. Right. So we're going to move on to the fringe players now. So Matt Breeder. Kev said release. Shane said release. I'm on release. Keith? Uh, I'm on release as well. Yeah. Just get somebody younger. Below average running back or average running back, you can get someone who's five years younger. In him. We've got our mate Gary. <laughs> uh, Richie James. Um, resign him. Yep. Yep. I agree. Absolutely. Even, yep. even just for special teams. Um, and evidently, Kev and Shane both said resign. He's, he's a good receiver. He's got something to offer. Resign yeah. him. Uh, Marcus Johnson. Release. Release. Yeah, Benny. release. Barely played. Another one for the minibus. Kev said resign for a vet min. Shane, release. You guys love your vet min, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> if we could sign everyone on a veteran minimum deal, we'll be it's well the cheapest, ro- it's the cheapest roster in the NFL. Everyone is on a veteran minimum deal. <laughs> It'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? We'd be brilliant. Uh, Kev, uh, Kev, Craig, next one. Uh, Justin Ellis, Kev said release. Shane said release. I'm saying release. He's saying release. See ya. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to need a bigger minibus. It's going to be a coach at this rate. Yeah, it's going to be a coach, yeah. Staying on the defensive line, Nick Williams, I think, is a release all around again. Yeah. Bye. He'll be 33 next season. Yeah. Jihad Ward, no-brainer, re-sign him. Yeah. Yeah, 100% re-sign. And Kev, both Kevin and Shane both said re-sign as well. I think uh, just for what he brings to the locker room, he's worth the money. He's got more to offer as well, I think. More, he's more with Martindale Sergeant Major. I mean, he, he's kind of the office. He's kind of like a coach on a field. This guy. Yeah, exactly. um, you listen to the way he talks. Really impressive guy. Yeah, resign him. Yeah, I do love Haddy. 
Yeah, mate. O'Shane Zimenez. Oh, this is a split opinion. So Kev has said re-sign. Shane has said release. I think he started well and then just fell off a cliff. So as as Keith's putting it into the minibus. Uh, which is where I'm putting him. It's an ever-growing coach now at this rate, isn't it? Yeah. Um, my only my only concern is what 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 other depth have we got a linebacker? You can find a young player that can match his grades. Yeah. What is he's, he's PFF have got him at fifty six point six in twenty twenty two fifty four point one as a pass rusher. You can find a much younger player that that can match those numbers, and yeah, has a chance could possibly have a higher ceiling. At this point, we know what O'Shane Zimmerman is. We've seen everything he's ever going to show us. Yeah, true. You know, so it again. Another one for the minibus for me. On on the bus then, mate. On the bus. Uh, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Uh, Kev said release. Shane said release. I'm saying release. I'm saying release. Bingo. Full house. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, Jalen. I mean, he was nothing more than okay, was he really? He was slow, and that's my biggest issue with him. Is yeah. he, he's not quick enough to play, in, uh, play inside linebacker for, for us. Um, no. the, these next two are interesting. Yeah, so Landon Collins has the nostalgia factor. However, Kev said release. Shane said release. I'm saying release. If you're okay with releasing Sterling Shepard, who's been a great servant to the team and loves the team, but we're being brutal about it, he's got to go, then you have to say the same thing for Landon Collins as well. His... his, his, his Name is etched in Giants history with two of the most high-profile plays of the last decade. But this is probably the end of the road. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I don't, I don't see him being back with the team. I really don't. It's a shame, but I don't see him being back. Uh, Jared Davis, then. Shane said release. Kevin said resign. He played one regular season game and played in the playoffs, keeping Michael McFadden on the bench. I say we re-sign him because we've obviously seen something there. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's worth another look at. I think it's too early to say whether whether he can be something or not, but I think he's worth having another look at. Shane's on his own on this one because I say re-sign him as well. There's, there's something about him that I think is worth keeping him around for another year. Uh, last two then, Craig. So Tony Jefferson, uh, another one of Wink's, you know, favourites. Um, good in coverage, poor in the run game. Kevin saying re-sign. Shane saying re-sign with a good old-fashioned big blue vet minimum. Um, <laughs> I, 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 th- I think it's... I, I'm on the release side for Jefferson. I just think at the age he's at now, I don't think it's worth having him around despite Wink's trust. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you, mate. I think Jefferson, he's going on the bus. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. On the bus for you, then, my friend. And last one. <laughs> yeah, let's let's round this off with someone. Hopefully, that's that's a unanimous decision. So Fabian Moreau, who stepped in after Aaron Robinson was injured. Um, I, I say resign. Kevin said resign. Shane will say resign. And Keith is saying put him on the bus. <sighs> Ooh. And let me, let, yeah, let me, let me, let me tell you why. Because uh, I have thought about this. 
Okay, he, he's not a starter. He's a backup. Okay, we need another outside cornerback to play opposite Dory Jackson. Okay, hopefully he should be back. He's not a starter. He's in year seven of his career. We're going to have a backup cornerback. We may as well go for somebody younger. We've got a third-year pro in Nick McLeod. It might be worth rolling a dice on, if not bringing someone younger. I think I think Moreau had some good play for what you would expect out of him, um, but McLeod also played very well. So I, you know, I I get the understanding behind that one hundred percent. He's much younger. You know, Moreau's not a starter; he's a backup. Therefore, your backups you want to be you want them to be young, because you want to see where their ceiling is. You know, again with Moreau, it's year seven. We've already seen everything that Fabian Moreau is ever going to show us. That's a fair point. Um, I think he'll be back. I think he showed the coaches enough this season that he will be back. But to be honest, I'm more leaning towards release as well. But I just, I, I just have a feeling that he will be back. I don't think he's good enough. I think he's he is that backup at best. Um, but there we go. I think. We'll see, you know, and don't get me wrong, like a lot of these players that we said to release, you know, you never know, they might be back in practice squad or, you know, probably be back yeah. for camp and, you know, to, to try again in camp and prove themselves, just like David Seals will be back as well. <laughs> oh no, David Seals is back because he was signed to a futures contract, wasn't he? Um, but these bodies always sort of tend to be around for camp and I think Moreau probably will be one of them at the very least. And I know it, it sounds like I've been quite negative here, that I've just been slinging everybody onto my minibus. It, it should never be forgotten, obviously, that these are real human beings, not just players. But we don't know them as humans. We only know them as players. So we can only judge them as players. And regardless of how their careers end, whether this is going to be their last season with the Giants, they've been part of one of the great seasons in recent memory. They are the players that have played a part in bringing the team back from the abyss. And for that, they will always be remembered and they will always be held in high regard by Giants fans. Yeah, it's a very good point. And yeah, they will be held in high regards because a lot of them have made, you know, plays throughout the season um, and and all, all played their part, really. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a shame to see some of them go. But at the same time, it's good to get fresh blood in and, you know, fresh competition at the same time. Young players with high ceilings, you know, rather than relying on... I mean, a lot of these players have been sticking plasters. They've been, like, guys who've picked up off practice squads. They've been guys, like, a long way through their careers, half of the way or two-thirds of the way through their careers. But now we're going to have a little bit more space to be able to bring in younger players with potentially higher ceilings, players that could be coached up over a number of years to be significantly better than what we have. Yeah, and I think the fact that we've got a lot more uh, cat space as well will tend to it will help matters obviously last beginning of last season we had next to nothing so we had to bring in what we could at the lowest price we possibly could whereas now we've got a a little bit extra space we can start hopefully bringing in some better talent that is going to demand a slightly higher salary Um, but there we go it remains to be seen 15th of March free agency opens up uh, we are. It's a month away today, and you know there's going to be a lot happen between now and then. Um, we'll be we'll be resigning players. We'll be releasing players. Let's see what happens. It's all going to kick off very very soon. 
Uh, now that is all we've got time for this week, Giants fans. Uh, we will be back next time to dive even deeper into free agency, uh, looking at some players who Big Blue could potentially bring in to improve the roster in what we're going to be calling dream, realistic, and no thanks. So we're going to a dream scenario, a realistic scenario, and a no thank you scenario. Uh, so it's a little bit of sort of lightheartedness, a little bit of a game, a little bit of fun coming up for you next week. Uh, Keith, as always, it's a pleasure having you on. Uh, we won't leave it so long next time to get you back on. Um, but yeah, thanks very much for coming on this evening, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, you got anything else? To, uh, anything else you want to add at all? Uh, not really. No, it's always a pleasure to come on. Um, you, you know, it, you and I, we always talk football, all of us together, whenever we get together. Anyway, whether we're recording or not, so no, nah, it's always fantastic laugh. Um, and of course, if anyone's listening to the podcast for the first time and wonders what, you know, what is this UK Giants? Where did this all start? It's like you can find us um, on Twitter at NY Giants Fans UK. We're at NY Giants Fans UK on Facebook as well. It's where Dan and myself and Andy and everyone else involved in the podcast, we all got our start together um, and you'll find all of us in there. You absolutely will. And uh, if this is the first time you listen to the podcast, welcome. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, you will find all of us in the uh, New York Giants Fans UK Facebook and Twitter groups. Um, check it out. Um, they have game watch along, you know, sort of watch along chats. Um, lots of different things going on there. Merch merch being exchanged on there. Um, it's a it's a it's it's a great group to be part of and just uh just not long ago ticked over the uh the three thousand mark in terms of uh members so congrats 4, on that well done. was it four thousand sorry four thousand yeah four thousand on facebook and now over three thousand on twitter as well so it's uh it's it's rolling it's doing its thing and it's uh it's only only growing and getting bigger so uh congrats on the four thousand mark on that mate um Anything anything else to add before you we go, Craig? Anything you want to add? No, it's just uh, you know, nice to have the season over and we can start looking ahead again. Um, like I said at the beginning, it's gonna be a busy few months for us and uh, we're gonna be coming your way every week. So look forward to next week and uh, maybe uh, you know, getting together a few dream scenarios. That'd be nice. Um, yeah, talk about Dreamland. <laughs> it's gonna be fun next week. I'm looking forward to it. Um we will also all also open up the mailbag next week as well. I've decided we haven't had a mailbag for a while, so we're going to crack open up that mailbag, send in your questions to us in all the usual ways on Twitter, on Instagram, by email, and also on the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook page too. Um, just search for Big Blue UK in Ireland on Twitter, on Twitter, on Instagram. And also email us, bigblueukirl at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest updates. Give us a nice little review. Five stars would be absolutely fantastic if you wouldn't mind doing so. Um, my thanks as ever go to you, Craig, uh, and to you, Keith, for joining me as well. Um, and also to you, the listeners, for tuning in. We are signing off. Until next time.